Dr. Dan's Freedom Forum is on the air. Never send to know for whom the bell tolls. It tolls for thee. Dr. Dan's Freedom Forum is a call to arms for those American patriots who, in the tradition of our founding fathers, will stand up now to defend the Constitution and the liberties that it guarantees to each citizen, to each of us. That is our mission to explain in a clear and concise manner the direct effect of each issue on the individual, on you personally, not some anonymous being in a distant place, and to define in no uncertain terms the consequences of inaction. Let the battle begin. And again, we're talking with uh, Pastor Matt Trohella. I'm glad you mentioned the supremacy clause because that is what is relied upon by tyrants to amass power to themselves. And it's really true. I've taken oath when I was in the military, when I served as a commissioner, that oath is to the constitution. The constitution is a contract. It's no different than if you went and bought a car or whatever. There's words there. Those words spell out very, very specific relationships all along the branches of government. And that is what's been blurred and eliminated by the judiciary. If I were to blame one one enabler of the of the terrible straits we're in right now, it would be the judiciary. Because yes, politicians and legislators at all branches, they try to do things. But it really should have not have been allowed by the judiciary, which is so corrupt that whatever enhances the power of government is what they agree with. And then, like you said, the legislature said, well, it's out of my hands. Yes. And, and that's where the fault is. It's just like the pastors and churches not standing up for the, the rule of good versus evil, the law of God instead of the law of man. It's the same thing. And an additional thing that I'd like to talk about just briefly is Roe v. Wade. Yeah. I mean, I read Roe v. Wade because I wanted to understand what, what that opinion was all about. And most of the written opinions in Roe v. Wade was based upon when does life begin? And they went back into eight, to 17th and 18th and 19th century in British law and things like that and brought up this something that is really not at all medically acceptable or even scientific. At the time, it was kind of borderline because we didn't know as much. But right now, today, we know medical facts that tell us that life begins at conception. It it doesn't matter whether you're a Christian or not, or whether you're even religious. The medical fact is that you get half of your DNA from your mother, you get half of your DNA from your father, and when the sperm and the egg meet and forms what is unique DNA, because no one else on this planet has the same DNA as what that baby has when the sperm and the egg meet. And so that is why we know, even if you weren't a Christian, we know medically that that baby 
when the sperm and the egg meet, is a unique individual different from any, any other individual on the planet. And that's why life begins at conception, medically and scientifically. Absolutely. And when it comes to um, the slaughter of the preborn, that was the main motivating influence for me for writing this book on the doctrine of lesser magistrate, um, because I was just astounded that in the face of murder, not one governor, not one legislature, not one mayor, not one common council stood in defiance and said, there'll be no murder here. And that is their duty when it comes to unjust or immoral. I mean, we applaud the court when they do right, but we don't say, oh, well, I guess we have to put up with the evil they brought when they do wrong. When they do wrong, when they do great evil, they must be withstood and interposition must take place. I talked to so many legislators and even lieutenant governors and a couple governors, and I try to explain these things to them that their duty is interposition. And um, I say, where in the Constitution do you see that a mother and a father can murder their own son or daughter through abortion? They say it's not in the Constitution. I say, exactly. Even the Supreme Court in Roe v. Wade said they made it all up, penumbras, emanations. It wasn't based in any law. Even pro-choice people, lawyers have admitted it wasn't based in law. And so I say to them, and what did you take an oath to uphold? The Constitution. So it's brought back to them. If you took the oath to uphold the Constitution and this branch of government is impugning the Constitution, perverting what it says, your duty is interposition, to stand in interposition between what they're trying to do in corrupting that document and standing resolute in preserving that document. Very important for people to understand these things. And people say, oh, well, we'll have lawlessness on our hands if there isn't this final arbiter. We have lawlessness in our, on our hands because there is this final arbiter. <laughs> they have corrupted the nation. They have been doing evil. I'm talking about the Supreme Court. It is important that we understand our founders never expected the states to merely comply with evil done by the general or what's now known as the federal government. Back just 11 years after the ink had dried on the Constitution, the Alien and Sedition Acts were made by the federal government. Two states stood them to the face, Virginia and Kentucky. And the resolution written by Virginia was written by James Madison, who was the architect of the U.S. Constitution. And he makes clear in that resolution that's the duty of the states to interpose against the evil not blithely comply, comply like there's some mere province of the federal government. They have their own liberties, authorities, and duties, he said. And one of them is to stand against the evil by the, by the federal government when they do wrong. Thomas Jefferson wrote the Kentucky Resolution. He talked about nullification and the importance of not countenancing the evil done um, by uh, the federal government. Just six years after the ink had dried on the U.S. Constitution, the first case, Georgia versus Chisholm, where the Supreme Court began to write powers to itself and the, and the federal government that weren't granted to them or the federal government in the 
uh, U.S. Constitution. That was just six years after they tried. The 11th Amendment to the United States Constitution was made by Congress as a response to what that court opinion was in Georgia versus Chisholm there just six years after the ink had dried on the couch. So our founders expected the states to interpose, not to blithely comply with the evil, but to stand in interposition against it. And we need to demand this interposition of our magistrates today, because you can see where we're being taken with this autocratic form of government, and it's not good. You know, our founders, as you said, did give us three tools to deal with federal power. That was nullification, interposition, and secession. And that's what they expected to happen. Uh, and, and that goes along with what you've really been saying, is that when it comes to the constitutionality of federal law, it is the states that are supposed to be the arbiters. They are supposed to be the arbiters by using one of their three tools, by nullifying it, by interposing themselves in it, or as has happened, by seceding when it got when the the preponderance, when the weight of unconstitutional laws, rules, and regulation came down, there were states that were should have been allowed to say, I'm sorry, guys, I'm out of here. You're just not doing right. You're not, you're not obeying the Constitution in my book. I joined voluntarily. I'm out of here voluntarily. And that's what our founders intended to happen. Yeah, and they did. And he, here's where we're at. And we saw it in the past. And you'll see it this time even worse, <laughs> more so, is that the leftists, like I have people say peaceful separation, talking about secession. Let's just have peaceful separation. The leftists don't believe in peaceful separation. <laughs> They're never going to leave, let you secede peacefully. Um, it will come to conflict, and that's not necessarily a bad thing. There's some things worse than dying, and one of them is living as a slave. And so you men must take a stand as they mark things up. Um, but this is, this is something that can be done um, short of secession is the interposition that our founders expected the states to do. You know, there's actually an instance that you do mention in which the a state interposed itself against a Supreme Court decision back in the 1800s. Yes. Yeah, we um, here in Wisconsin, where I'm from, um, our state actually defied the U.S. Supreme Court and the entire federal government over the Federal Fugitive Slave Act. Um, so there was a uh, runaway slave. He lived in Racine, which is about 40 minutes from where I'm sitting right now, south of here. He was there for two and a half years working as a carpenter. His name was Joshua Glover. Um, his owner, along with federal agents, came searching for him, and they captured him in Racine, Wisconsin. He was brought up to Milwaukee and placed in the county jail here. Um, a newspaper man learned of it. His name was Sherman Booth. He rode up a handbill and rode his horse up and down the streets of Milwaukee, shouting at the top of his lungs, a man's liberty is at stake. Rally at the courthouse at 2 p.m. And lo and behold, over 5,000 people showed up. 
Booth even later said he was stunned by how many people showed up. And they put together committees who wrote resolutions. They put together a habeas corpus to get the slave released. That was denied two hours later. At about five o'clock, everyone was getting ready to go home, leaving. And all of a sudden, the sheriff from Racine showed up with about 120 men by boat there in the port of Milwaukee and marched towards the jail, the county courthouse and jail. And um, some men had had enough of it, and about 30 of them grabbed a huge beam, huge wooden beam from a church that was being built across the street, smashed the jail door down, brought Joshua Glover out. They put him on the back end of a flatbed um, wagon, and he looked out over the sea of faces, and he said two words. He said, glory, hallelujah. And they put Joshua Glover on the Underground Railroad. And two weeks later, he made it to Canada and died of old age 26 years later. Well, the federal government was mad because the slave got away. They wanted their pound of flesh. So they went after Sherman Booth. This is 1854. Our state Supreme Court immediately defied the U.S. Supreme Court. Our legislature then entered into the fray and declared their defiance to the U.S. Supreme Court and to the federal government. This was a battle of jurisdictions, Dr. Dan, that went on all the way up to the Civil War, and as scholars say, never was resolved. You know, it became moot after the Civil War. But that's what happened here in Wisconsin, in downtown Milwaukee. We still have some murals and some plaques about our defiance of the federal government regarding the Federal Fugitive Slave Act. So this matter of interposition was known to men before us. It was acted upon by men before us. When we meet with the legislators and other government officials here in Wisconsin, this is one of the stories we bring up to them as an example of interposition by Wisconsin civil authorities prior to today and how needed the interposition And again, we're talking with uh, Pastor Matt Trohella. Pastor Matt, you have a website, defytyrants.com. Tell us about it. Yeah, it's um, and that's it, defytyrants.com. We used to call it lessermagistrate.com, and people were like, what did you say? How do you spell that? So then we just went to defy tyrants. Nobody ever asked us to spell it. Nobody ever wonders what I said. Um, and it's really a great resource in teaching the doctrine of the lesser magistrate and also giving many examples of it in our current day within the news. Um, also, uh, we just did what we call the county before country express talks. These are 15 minute talks that we did on November 30th. We had 500 people. The place was packed to the gills. Every ticket sold. <laughs> and so um, was there that evening and we did these 15 minute, they were express talks, you know, TED talk style talks. And um, we did on six topics. My topic was the authority of a county. Another topic was the duty of elders in the face of a tyrant government. Another dealt with um, building Christian medical structures because all the insanity that's going on with the medical industry. And another was um, dealing with the food supply because, you know, they've made us dependent where they can just starve us to death. Um, another dealt with um, defunding and abolishing government schools. 
and the last dealt with Second Amendment matters and being armed. Um, so these talks are being released all through the month of January. The third one will be released tomorrow. Um, so you can see those talks there, or you can just go to our website, which is devoted to that matter, called countybeforecountry.org. Two very important websites, countybeforecountry.org and defytyrants.com. Pastor Matt, do you have some final words of wisdom for us? Yeah, draw close to Christ. Um, hold your families dear. Uh, these are times, you know, you know, we have to acknowledge that God's judgment is just on our nation because it is. It, we are a wicked people. Our governments have been spitting in his face for decades and decades now. And so we acknowledge his judgment is just. It's important for us to display repentance, um, repentance for any sin that may be in our own lives, repentance towards um, being indifferent towards civil government matters. Very important that we be repentant. At the same time, very important that we engage the tyrants that we stand against the evil that they're doing. You see this routinely with many of the prophets. They would call the people to repentance. And at the same time, they would take to task the tyrants for the evil that they were doing. As Christian people, we have a duty to stand against the tyrants in the, in the midst of what's going on, while at the same time acknowledging we're in this condition because God's judgment is just. And here's one last thing I would mention, too, is that in the midst of God's judgment, goodness is being built. God's laying certain things low in order to raise certain things up. I could share with you so many good things that have been happening in the midst of his judgment, um, one of them being building Christian medical structures, for example, um, but so many other things also. And I do believe that the, that things are going to get worse in the days ahead. And I say that because I have seen some repentance. I've seen people deep, some people deep in their walk with Christ. I've even seen people come to Christ as the tyrants have been unleashed in our nation. But I've seen no run on sackcloth and ashes down at the Ace Hardware. The repentance has been tepid, minimal. And so I think things will get much more worse because God desires that repentance is his judgment is actually a mercy to man. It's a goodness to man. Because if he didn't bring his judgment, the depravity of man knows no limits. And it can devolve into something terrible. So it's a goodness to us. It's a mercy because it makes us consider eternal matters and points us back towards him. It's Isaiah 9.10, right? Yes. Very good. Yes, it is. And Pastor Matt Truella has been... A blessing for me and for my listeners to hear you. Um, this has been a great discussion. And I think it's it's really critical that we take, take to our hearts what you've said. Uh, our founders were Christian men who founded a nation based upon a belief in God and on those principles of good and evil. They set out to keep us free and keep us good. Uh, but evil never sleeps, does it? No. 
Never does. Yep. And we as his people must confront the evil, the idols, the tyrants of our day. Um, it's the history of Christianity, and we should be no different. It's time to get off the couch, I think. Amen. God bless you, and thank you so very much for being a guest on Freedom Forum Radio. Hey, thank you, Dr. Dan. God bless you. And that concludes another episode of Dr. Dan's Freedom Forum. Join the battle on our website, www.drdansfreedomforum.com. The right to own private property that cannot be arbitrarily confiscated by the government is the moral right and constitutional basis for individual freedom. Get joy in everything. Everything. Everything.